Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today we have with us Mark Ritter, who's the CEO of MBFS and an expert in credit unions and business lending. His primary role at MBFS is overseeing the strategy of helping credit unions assist members with business needs and consulting with credit unions on planning the delivery of services to their membership. In 2011, he took on the challenge of being the CEO of a business lending hustle. Mark was the fifth CEO in five years for the organization which lost money every month of his existence. In the past six years at MBFS, Mark increased the number of credit unions, the CUSO services by over 500%, grew the revenue by 800%, and ensured positive cash flow every full year he's been at the CUSO. More importantly, MBFS has helped countless credit union members gain the financing they need for business and investment needs. Mark is a native of Burt, Pennsylvania and Northeast Pennsylvania, where he was a member of his high school's nationally ranked and state championship football team. After high school, Mark hung up his cleats to work for the Penn State Nittany Lions full-time as a student assistant while attending Penn State as an undergrad. During his time at Penn State, he transitioned to the Big Ten and culminated in Penn State's first Big Ten championship and a trip to the Rose Bowl. Mark remains an avid Penn State supporter Today, Mark lives in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside of Dolestown with his wife and two teenagers. So let's give Mark a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. Hey, so Mark, welcome to the show. How are you today? Great, Donald. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Likewise, likewise. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I think this will be a very, very good conversation for our listeners. So Mark, why don't you um, quickly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background also? Sure. Uh, My name's Mark Ritter. I am the CEO of a company called Member Business Financial Services. Uh, That tends to be a mouthful, so I just call it MBFS. And what we are is a credit union-owned company. We're owned by 13 different credit unions, and we help credit unions nationwide uh, do commercial and real estate investment loans to, to the nation and the community. Uh, I've been in this space for 20 years, and I I started out uh, 20 years ago by starting up uh, a a commercial lending department at a credit union when when the industry was almost brand new and nobody heard about it. And 10 years ago, uh, I started into what's called a CUSO, which is a credit union service organization. Uh, Once again, we're owned by credit unions. And, and and we've been growing ever since. We do we do a lot of loans, and we like to, to go on shows such as yourself to educate people about what a credit union is and how they can access it and what the world's like today. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because in my in my networking and making rounds in my circles, yeah, I don't hear too many conversations 
about leveraging credit unions for your real estate assets. So can you can you talk about that a little bit more about leveraging credit unions and real estate investing, the types of loans available and the process? Yeah, sure. And, and the first thing that, that I'd like to talk with you about is exactly what a credit union is. Because that tends to be, you know, once people roll roll back to what a credit union is and understand that, then they have a little bit better understanding of where to go for their business. And a credit union, you know, what a third of Americans belong to a credit union. So they're everywhere. There's a lot of them. There's a lot more credit unions than banks. And when you drive past one, uh, you know, most of the times you see a teller window, an ATM, drive throughs, all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the signs up for home equity loans and auto loans and, and, and uh, you know, credit unions are the largest lender of auto loans. And, and I bet a lot of people who never think about credit unions listening, they probably have their auto loan. They got through a credit union. And way back when... Uh, credit unions were were consumer organizations. You know, may, maybe uh, my, my my dad belonged to the credit union for his local factory, and there was a credit union for government workers and the and the local military bases, and and they were very much kind of isolated. And if you you know you had your accounts there, you deposited your paycheck there. If you needed a a loan or a mortgage, you you went to the local credit union. And but what a credit union is, if you really look under the covers, it's a not-for-profit financial cooperative. So, so it, think of your, you know your local bank has shareholders, and uh, you know we 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 know they sell to other banks and merge and do all of those things. But but a credit union is really owned by the membership. And the board of directors is voted upon by the membership who who oversees the checks and balances of the organization. So so that really feeds through to helping out the people in the community. And and there's a lot of credit unions that lend on a big national. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. There's a chunk out there that lend on a big national basis. Most of them will lend in, in a couple marketplaces in a region but they're focused more on the community uh, as opposed to the shareholders. What can we get done? You know, and and when I started up in the credit union space, you know, it, it was at a time when credit unions just gained access to the commercial lending marketplace a few years before that. So uh, what happened was, you know, if you think about 25, 30 years ago, you know, every town had First National Bank of whatever your hometown was. There was a community bank on every corner. And, and quite frankly, they did a pretty good job helping out and knowing everybody's needs because they had that local knowledge. They knew who you were. They knew the neighborhood. They knew the properties. And, and many times they, they knew who the buyers were, who the sellers were. So, so, so access to credit was a much more localized level. Mm-hmm. Well, those days are gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the, the, there's the, there's good bankers out there, but for the most part, those those days are gone. Um, and, and credit unions have really had a chance to to build up uh, and take that space 
to where, you know, just with within our portfolio, you know, we've done deals up to 40 million dollars. But but most of our deals are to people who who are starting to build that passive income. They're starting to build that net worth for retirement. They're 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 investing in properties and they they've had that good relationship and are growing their company. Uh, whether it be through multifamily, whether it be through commercial, whether it be maybe they own a business and, and own a piece of commercial property. Uh, but you know, it, it last year credit unions did over $52 billion in commercial financing across America. And, mm. and it's really grown, continues to grow. Uh, and, and, and people just, but, but really it's about the culture to me and my, and for, for me, it's really about that culture. Um, you know, you, you deal with a lot of lenders, you hear stories of a lot of lenders and what's everybody's dream is to have that relationship with their banker for them to yeah. understand the bank, you know, to, to, to so that they understand. And, and you want to be able to talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than uh, not being able to talk through a transaction with somebody and, uh, you know, uh, so they can understand you and where you're going. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so Mark, so quickly, um, so I, you you mentioned like you guys have done. I mean, they've done loans up to forty million, I think you said, or maybe sixty million. So yeah, we, can can you talk about the types of loans available if you're doing, say, you're doing commercial or multifamily investing? Say, I'm I want to purchase a property in Georgia. It's two hundred twenty-five units. It's a Class C. We want to. It's a value add. We want to upgrade it to a B minus. What types of loans would be available for that type of asset? Sure. Uh, the great the great thing is that the credit union that there's a lot of us out there uh, that are doing these loans. So we we do a lot of uh, uh, you know do we we'll, we'll do everything in between. We'll we'll buy it, stabilize property. We'll 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 help you acquire the property, do the renovations to get it ramped up, and do that value add piece. Uh, that you talk about and, and lend off of that future value as it gets up and stabilize. Um, what I would say is we're not credit unions tend not to be that subprime lender. Mm. Uh, you know that they're doing it. We are regulated financial institutions. We, if we're going to put out the money, we want to know that we can get it paid back uh, because it is our members' money. But what we can really do that that traditional, pretty broad uh, financing of you know acquiring it, renovating it, renovating the units, and bringing that up to to where you want to go with it. Uh, most of the times, you're going to see you know a five year fixed rate, uh, maybe mm -hmm. amortizations up to twenty five years. Uh, you know, we we really have flexibility with that, um, and and one of the reasons is. We're lending out our money. Many times people don't understand who their lender is. You know, you go to some bank or a fund or private money uh, and, and, and they're borrowing somebody else's money to give to you and, and trying to make a spread off of it. You know, we're, we're generally lending with the local money in the community. So which makes that much more attractive uh, and, and able to keep those costs down 
Uh, and we are, we have control over the funds and, and we're not beholden to uh, to pushing it out there. OK, and all credit unions, one in the same, I mean. So like you said, you guys can do these types of loans. Are all credit yeah. unions involved in that or does it differ between different credit unions and what type of credit unions they are? Yeah, you know, much like uh, much like a bank, there you're you're going to have some a slightly different nuances uh, between each institution, uh, and, and most of that I find is more geographic. Uh, you know, people like to specialize in what's in their marketplace, and and, and generally you're going to find them pretty close to one another. Uh, but but you know when when you go to uh, you know the 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 credit union in Orlando, they might be a little more specialized in hospitality, uh, you know, but the, 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 the credit union in, uh, in Idaho would, would probably be a little more friendlier with ski, ski resorts. So, so you tend to find we're, we're almost more hyper localized in our specialty. So, so we can really kind of serve that region that we're in. Uh, but but it's not something where people are dramatically different. It usually gets into the size of the institution more than the specific policies of the institution. So uh, and, and and that's actually why companies like myself exist. Uh, your your average credit union these days is probably three hundred million dollars. So so mm. they may max out with a couple million dollar loan, right. but. You know, as I said, we we're 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 a consortium of a hundred credit unions, so we really syndicate and participate the deals together among the credit union industry. So you know, yeah, when you I go see. to if if you're in a small town and you have your local credit union that's part of a, our network like ours, you're you're not lending against the strength of them because uh, sometimes that's pretty limited. Credit unions work together very well uh much better than than the commercial banking space mm -hmm. uh you know we're, we, we tend to be pretty friendly we're not for profit institutions and we can uh we can we can help grow people together you know beyond the, our individual strengths okay and so of course i mean everyone knows well anyone who's doing any kind of significant business knows the headwinds in the market and the banking industry. So what's the marketplace like in general for getting a real estate investment loan today for commercial or multifamily? Sure. Um, well, I, I can tell you, we don't have a lot of refinance business going on today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But we, we, we do have, you know, we're, we're real in the multifamily business. We're seeing the numbers are are still very strong in terms of occupancy and rents people get. What's coming back to a little bit more normal are the cash flow coverages uh, that people that people are able to get, and the big factor on that is interest rates. Because you know that your rents have gone up, a lot of places have been able to to increase the rents as inflation and supply and demand. Uh, uh, come into play. And, you know, I'm a big advocate in this country. We just do not have enough quality ha housing for people. Uh, we've made it too, we've made it too expensive to build. We made it too difficult to build. 
and, and a lot of places people want to move and where the jobs are, it is just too dang hard to build and get these units up and running. Um, but in the meantime, we're here to finance those units as we can. And and the big factor is in interest rates, because as these interest rates have come up, it has just chewed into uh, the, the cash flow coverages and the income mm-hmm. levels that people have had. Now, one of the nice things that we that I really like about the credit union model is a federal credit union cannot charge a prepayment penalty on anything that we do. Oh, wow. Okay. So today's rates are a heck of a lot higher than what we saw one year, two years, heck, even three years ago. I, I Do I think that's going to be permanent over the next five years? No. Mm-hmm. So we give our members and borrowers the flexibility that This is not locked in. There's nothing worse than buying a property in a higher interest rate environment or you're, you know, we we all think we know the marketplace, but heck, you know, who knows? Uh, Who knows when rates are going to go up? Who knows when rates are going to go down? Who knows when we're going to have the next black swan event that's going to bring them back to zero? Yeah. But one but one thing with the credit union is that we can refinance those and bring those to you and you have the flexibility to refinance them out without that prepayment penalty because when rates drop there's nothing worse than finding out you are locked into a high rate that you have to pay a big big penalty to get out of absolutely and Mark, so I, like, like you said, no one has a crystal ball and no one knows what's going to happen. But if you were going to make an educated guess, what do you see happening for the remainder of this year with interest rates? Or what do you see? What, do you, what moves do you think the Fed are going to make if you had to guess? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see at most a, a slight higher. You know, as we talk here in late April, um, I think we're going to see maybe a slight higher increase and then a flattening out of that uh, that of that rate environment. We've already seen the longer term treasury rates, which is really what uh, drives the rates much more than the prime rate. You know, we we always hear prime rate went up, prime you know interest rates went up. And, well, you know that is the prime rate, but more and more banks are are and credit unions are pegging your rates to the treasury rates or their borrowing rates that the federal home loan bank puts out. Those are already softening and flattening. I don't think we're going to see a dramatic drop in rates till till maybe later on this year. And we see what the impact of the, the, these unprecedented increases in rates are on the environment. Because I do think we're in for a little bit of pain from uh, I do think we're in for a little bit of pain as it takes, you know, four to six months for each one of these rates to trick rate increases to trickle through the economy. Uh, I I am very optimistic about the multifamily uh, environment and cautiously optimistic about the commercial real estate environment 
because it on that piece it really depends on your location the marketplaces what type of industry you're in uh you know i i i, I i'm glad i don't finance the uh, high rises in downtown manhattan because i i i think those are you know the 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 big high rises and the mega projects that are uh you know where 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 a company's going to go and lease 20 stories uh i think those days are gone and mm. people are going to be in a lot less space yeah now yeah and that now in the different areas now multifamilies a different uh i i i love multifamily because i think this country is upside down with regards to our population trends. And I think this country is upside down with regards to housing supply. So I think unemployment is going to continue to remain low because of population trends. And I think where it's uh, the housing supply will be strong because of, uh, because of, you know, because we're not building. And as long as people have a job, you know, that covers a lot of stuff. Um, you know, if people are working, life is good, uh, no matter how uh, uh, painful it is to go buy bacon and eggs at the grocery store. For sure. And Mark, I wanted to um, circle back to something you just said earlier about, I think a lot of people could be educated a little bit more on this, but you talked about how when the uh, when the rates are raised, the prime rate, but that's not what the bank lends on. They, bend, they lend on the what was it you said? The treasury rates and the borrowing rates from the Federal Home Loan Bank. So how does that trickle down? So when they raise the interest rates 0.5, how does that trickle over to the treasury rates? How, how does how does that happen? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, and it's right now the the big mess in the rate environments is be are because of short-term rates have gone up. And when we talk about interest rates went up a half per point, that is a short-term rate that quite frankly, not that many banks use, but but it's how that how much money they can get overnight and what it would cost for them to borrow money on a short-term basis. So interest rates went up on a short-term basis very, very quickly over the past year. So that is why if you actually go out and and have some money in your savings account right now, you can put it in a deposit in a, any depository institution much shorter on a much shorter basis at high rates. You know, you can get four, four and a half percent at a lot of places if you put it in a savings account. Heck, Apple now is paying 4.15. Uh, and that, mm. but they they can also change that overnight, so that's very much a short term rate. But nobody, none of the experts really think long term this is gonna stay high. We we think once the in uh, inflation uh, tri- settles down and we we have to we're in a, from a three to five year period we're gonna have to lower rates. So if you're a bank or a credit union and you want to borrow money. That actually, it is lower to borrow money for five years than it is overnight. Mm -hmm. And when you go get a commercial real estate loan, you get a multifamily loan. I don't know about you, but I don't know many borrowers who are doing short-term rates that can change every day. Yeah. 
you yeah. want certainty. <laughs> you want certainty. You want a five year, a seven year. Heck, mm -hmm. in the last year, you could even get a 10 year rate. Yeah. So long term, people think interest rates are going to be lower than the short term. The, this short term artificial rate that got bumped up. Uh, you know, th those are going by that that really doesn't impact long-term borrowing rates. So we have in the banking world what's called an inverse yield curve. Traditionally, uh, in normal times, you can get lower interest rates in the short term and longer interest rates, higher interest rates in the long term. But we are upside down right now. So, and that's caused a lot of the confusion because most banks and credit unions, they borrow and get the deposit short term and lend long term. So it it, it kind of has created this uh the, this vortex that we're in. So uh it really can get quite convoluted. Uh and and that's why it's important when you're when when you're hearing about interest rates. You need to go out and look at those treasury rates and the bank borrowing rates compared more than short-term prime rates. Okay. And that gets you an idea on and, – and what I'm seeing for the first time in my career and the first time in uh, for people who have a lot more years in the business for me – the what we're seeing now when we talk about negotiating rates is you have to understand what the financial position of is the institution you're talking to because for the first time in many 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 years liquidity is a concern mm -hmm. and that's a direct result of inflation and the government money that we spent over the last few years so when you have that – and here, here's the trick. Nobody, including credit unions, are going to say our liquidity is pretty tight or we're not really lending right now. But what they're going to do is try to give you terms out there to make it more difficult because they only have so many dollars that they can lend out. They only have so many dollars that they can borrow to then lend out. So you really got to understand who you're dealing with and what their what their situation is because there's many people right there's a lot of lenders right now who are just kind of sitting on the sidelines and giving you an offer they 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 want to give you an offer they hope you refuse. <laughs> so yeah I was going to touch on that so I mean we we've heard of the trouble liquidity issues with um SVB First Republic who I who I bank with um, what are the differences between those regional mid-sized banks and a lot of credit unions or are a lot of the credit unions in the same position as they are? Yeah, I, I love your question. I love your question because it really helps me differentiate where where I'm proud of. Most of the time, the big banks, they are getting deposits in. And they are leveraging the heck out of these deposits to put money out in loans. They're doing a lot of derivatives and swaps and, tr and, and trying to push that money out and borrow many times more than the deposits in the institution. 
Now, a credit union, if you typically look at a credit union, you put a you open you put a hundred dollars in your credit union. On average, the industry will lend out $84 of your $100 in deposits to their okay. members. So now, now there are credit unions that borrow. Um, sometimes that's a good strategy. But overall, they're lending out a percentage that's less than one of the dollars that you put in there. So when I borrow money to lend it out, I have a note to pay and I have to be beholden you know that wh whoever I borrowed the money from I have owe them and then I have to hope you pay me back. Mm -hmm. When I'm lending out just my own money in deposits like a credit union, I have a lot more flexibility about what I can do with those loans and deposits and terms because it's my money, you know, and 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 the 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 benefits and the costs of that are a lot less and because you know one of the 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 keys with these big banks that are having the trouble is so many of their deposits were uninsured and that spooked people into taking their money out now credit unions are insured by the federal government and and I would never our, – our deposit insurance is essentially identical to the banks. We're both insured by the U.S. federal government. We both have the same limits. But for the most part, the credit union's deposit base has a very, very small percentage of uninsured deposits. It's retail investors. It's small business owners. I, I like to call credit unions Main Street America. So we're much less susceptible to those swings that you saw uh, recently that caused the run on the banks. Hmm. So, and one thing I had, I thought, found, I thought was very interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts on the the government decided to go in and make all those um, depositors whole, even over the amount that they were, even over two hundred and fifty thousand, which is the limit. Why do you think that happened? Or what do you think was behind that move? Well, if that was First National Farmers Bank of Northwest Ohio, I don't think either of us would agree that that money would have been insured for whatever amount was in there. Right. I think politically, politically, that is a high-profile industry. And those borrowers who and depositors who were in there were not even a business that was, oh, I just deposited my money in there. Those were fintechs who had investments from hundreds of other people. So venture and capital of, money and things of that nature. And also, I don't know how any credit unions that had their first deposits in there but what i do know is you know credit unions work with a lot of fintechs mm -hmm. and those fintechs were collecting deposits for programs that they were in and basically had escrow money in there so when all this hit the fan i know credit a credit union that had between 10 and 12 million dollars sitting in svb bank 
for money that was supposed to be funneled to them. So I think the politics of it all really uh, re, re, and 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 kind of those rollover consequences. But it was such a it was such a unique institution. There is only you know maybe three or four institutions that have structures like that and business models like that. Uh, and, and it was really an arrogance of regulators not to address it. But I'm concerned that it has basically created de facto unlimited insurance because the next bank failure, what are we going to say? Yeah. Well, we're letting, you know, whatever farmers bank of, you know, this place go and the uninsured depositors will lose their money, but we didn't do it. It, 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 it will be very difficult for any depositor to ever lose money ever again because of that climate and, and the precedences it's been set. Yeah, and, and the other interesting thing I thought was they said it wasn't taxpayer money, but I'm saying if it's not taxpayer's money, whose money was it? Where did the money come from? It has to be taxpayer's money, right? It's all any money that goes through the Federal Reserve and the government. It's all taxpayer money. And, and, and yeah, they, they might do it with a special assessment on the banks. Well, well, what do you think? The banks are just going to step in their, their pocket and say, well, I guess we'll pay this. Yeah. They have to make that up from somebody. Yeah. And it's people like me and you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's pass that along, right? With different types of fees and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So and when you guys are talk a little bit more about what your company does, Mark. So sure. So it's, it's sort of just like a syndication, you said, right? So if I come to you and I want to buy a property that's $15 million, you're going to syndicate that across several different credit unions. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll try to, and, 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 and so think about it this way, instead of every credit union going out there and building an infrastructure to, to make commercial lending and buy and and putting a team of underwriters, software, servicing systems, salespeople. What we have basic what's basically happened is the credit union industry has created companies like myself to serve that and be an aggregator for the credit union industry. So you come to me and say I have a uh I have a loan in Des Moines, Iowa. We have credit unions all across the nation. We have some regional credit unions, and then we have credit, so a couple credit unions that will lend nationwide. And we underwrite and put package that deal. And then if our lead credit union can't fund the whole loan, we place that with lenders all across the country. And 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 we sometimes a credit union is the lead lender sometimes they're the participant and we work to put that deal together with the power of the credit union industry okay and um so when you're doing deals are, are those loans recourse or non-recourse in most instances you know th there are some instances of non-recourse loans um of course those are held to a little bit more higher standards I would say when, what, that, that so it's not impossible, but generally they're looking at recourse loans. Okay. Okay. 
And how again? You may have mentioned this. How how many? How much? Um, last year, how what what amount of loans did you guys do? And do you see that so decreasing or increasing? Yeah. So last year, our company uh, closed. Um, heck, it was nearly six hundred million million dollars in commercial real estate loans for new originations. Okay. Um, we, we service a portfolio that that's a little over two and a half billion dollars right now. Um, I would love to say this year has stayed stagnant. Um, but I think last year we're going to look at 2022 as the high water mark for quite some time. So our numbers are down a little bit, but we're out there lending. Um, but everybody's numbers are down a little bit uh, when mm -hmm. I go to the conferences and, and talk with my peers. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is just the uncertainty of the interest rate environment. Uh, you know, it's kind of like an eighth grade dance. Everybody's just kind of sitting along the walls, figuring out what to do and, you know, wants to follow the next person out there. So. And I think, I mean, I feel people have short memories, but in if you look at, say you're going to look at the last, 50 years of lending with current current interest rates. I mean, what are your thoughts on where they are now? Because I was looking at a clip on Instagram of a news clip from 1981 and the interest rates were at 17%. So, I mean, with that being said, do you think rates are just totally out of line right now with what people are looking to do with their assets? If, if you talk to a re re retired lender, uh, they would say this is what we used to call normal. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we have seen so many swings in ultra low interest rate environments that many of us uh, newer to the industry think, uh, you know, there's going to be 3% commercial real estate deals all the time. Hmm. Uh, and, and those were highly unusual events and highly unusual times where the government had push printed so much money that we had nothing no, there were no other options to do so i think the world is getting just to a normal interest rate environment mm -hmm. and but it's going to it, now hopefully people manage to that and hopefully people position their leases so that they can adjust to these interest rate environments and and, and price there because i do think Income levels aren't horrible. I, I think a lot of income has, has – people's income has risen over the last few years, and the money is there. The people are there to pay the leases. So so I think uh, – but for maybe some of the inexperienced people, they have to get to what a normal return is and what a normal interest rate environment is. Okay. Okay, and before we jump into the lightning round, what advice would you give to, say, some borrowers who purchased a large property 2020, 21, they use bridge debt, and they need to refinance now? What kind of advice? And they, they're having, of course, they're having trouble now refinancing. What kind of advice would you have for people in that position? Yeah, be, be willing to take... to. To, to squeeze those uh, profit numbers down a little bit, uh, your leases will turn over and you, there's money there uh, in most markets to increase rents to cover it. And, 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 and don't sweat it too much because somebody like myself, uh, you know, our interest rates 
we we have adjustments as rates go down and you can go down to a lower interest rate environment so don't panic this is the you know the the last 2 years were overly excessive and this is probably an overcorrection and the market works itself out you know one of the things about people forget about lenders is we like to get our money back <laughs> You know, but put, putting the money out there and owning properties uh, that on go bad is is a pretty lousy business model for us. Okay. So the world tends to correct itself. The world tends to 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 push itself out and and rates can be adjusted. Now 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 people like us, we can adjust our rates because it's our money. Uh, but you know, know who that lender is, and 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 shop the market, and and don't get frustrated because not all lenders are the same. Sometimes people have one or two people that they talk to, one or two lenders, they get a no, and then they get frustrated and and try to do something stupid and go to the hard money out there. That's a death spiral. It's just like people who who jump into payday loans to to meet their bills. You know, it's cheap, quick, and easy, but in the long run, it just puts you down a path that you can't get out of. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess the key there is keep your wits about you and communicate with the lender. And most times, they're, they're willing to work with you. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's jump into lightning round quickly before we get you out of here, Mark. Um, first one, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? I love the entire Freakonomics series, and I've read them cover to cover multiple times over. Freakonomics. Who's the author of that? Uh, that would be Stephen Dubner, and uh, I think it's Stephen Covey. Okay. Uh, and okay. and it gives great insight into understanding the world. Okay. Yeah, I've heard. I know Covey, so yeah, I'll check that out. Yep. All right. And how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? So my the worst loan that I've ever done. I've learned that it. I well. I, 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 sh I, I knew in my gut instinct we shouldn't have done it. And I just wanted, should have stood up and said no. But it was a little bit of groupthink, you know, and I found out a lot of people in the room thought the same thing. And, and, and I really, sometimes you got to stand up for your convictions, even if you don't think it's the most popular thing to do. And you, the world comes out much better and you come out much better in the long run. Okay. Yeah, very good insight. Okay, Mark, and if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Oh. So, boy, if I could have a billboard anywhere. Hmm. You know, personally, me, I would probably put it in Columbus, Ohio, mocking Ohio State fans. Uh <laughs> Because they're my hated rival, uh, but I, but I, I, I generally uh, when I'm not a, a spiteful, uh, spiteful uh, sports fan, you know, I, I really just want positive messages out there in the community, mm -hmm. and, and I would, you know, put it up there in, in in some of the big traffic areas, 
just and and right on the edge and I, and it would really be that message about we need to come and just be a lot less divisive in this world we just need i i i i and and, and maybe it's because i tend to find myself in the middle and i like being able to have nuanced conversations but i wish i could put some billboards around our big cities and even some of the small towns and tell people quit living in the extreme talk to your friends talk to people you like but more importantly talk to people that disagree with you and talk to them not social media blasts we need to talk more in this world oh yeah 100% agree it's yeah the the environment now just has so little tolerance for a disagreement so yeah 100% agree there Okay, you may have just touched on this, but what have you become better at saying no to? I I've really become saying no to saying no to everybody who wants to pitch me on a new business idea when it's not when I know it just isn't a fit for me. I always used to like because I was a young sales guy out there and I always wanted to give people that opportunity to talk to me. And I just find that I, I, I know my business plan and I look for people who can help me fix my business plan and my goals and what the company's working on versus just the shotgun approach that if you can get through uh, my uh, firewall, that I'll give you the time of day. So I've really kind of, I, I wish I could talk to everybody who wants to talk to me, but I just can't. Yeah, and I love how you said that you want to say no to when it's not a great fit for you versus it's just not going to work because even though it may work, it's just not a good, great fit for you and what you not a fit. to do, right? It's not a fit for me at this time. I, I, I you know, and even uh, I only have so many hours and resources in the day. I can't do every great idea that people have. Right. All right. Last one. And this one may be kind of deep. So what important truth do very few people agree with you on? What important truth do ver- I believe that you either have a motor in life or you don't. And when I say a motor, I, I think my, my job is to take my high performers and direct them and lead them and guide them. I don't think I can take people who don't have that intrinsic motor and turn them into high performers. A lot of people think we can all manage people to success and move people to success. I just think there's that percentage of of, of workers that we have to capture and grow, and not everybody's going to be the team captain. Okay, excellent. I love that. Very cool. All right, Mark. So before we hop off, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, talk to you about financing, borrowing, or or philosophy life in general, what's the best way for them to uh, reach out to you? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm really active on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to connect with me, uh, M-A-R-K-R-I-T-T-E-R. Uh, that's also uh, the easiest website to get in touch with me, markritter.com. Okay. And you can go on there and send me a message. And what we do for people is if you're interested in a credit union, uh, we'd love to talk with you. 
And but if if you connect with me and, and we don't have a credit union in your marketplace, uh, we have a whole nationwide network and we love to make an introduction with people to get you to consider a credit union in your network. And, and we'll find somebody, a credit union in your marketplace that could help you out. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So we're running all those contacts at the bottom of the screen. And thanks so much for joining us today, Mark. Some great insight. I think um, a lot of people got some great value out of this. So thanks so much. Look forward to having you back again. I had a blast. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mark. Have a good one. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.